Moonpig. Hello world and welcome to the Moonpig Tech Podcast. My name's Richard. And I am Jacob. And today we're going to be talking about building high-performing teams. And I'm really pleased to welcome on the show Dr. Leon Hewitt and Isha Bakshi. Hi. Um, Could you introduce yourself, please, guys? Oh, me first. Okay. My name's Leon. I'm a programmer at Moonpig. I've been here all about 15, 16 months. I think um, I work with the attached team and we're responsible for recommending gifts to people that have just purchased a card. And Isha? Hi, I'm Isha Bakshi. I'm an agile coach here at Moonpig. Been here for about six to seven months and we, I work with another agile coach in Manchester with the teams here at Moonpig. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, perhaps we can start uh, the conversation by defining what a high-performing team is. Uh, would you like to go first, Leon? A high-performing team, yeah, that would be a team that performs highly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Anytime. Um, so the way we were thinking about it is that there's a few characteristics, shall we say, of high-performing teams. Um, we look at the kind of the lead time, you know, how quickly we can deliver features for the business, um, how often we deploy software. Um, If anything goes wrong, how quickly can we recover the system? You know, is there much downtime when things go a little bit wrong? And we also look at how often we actually, those failures actually occur, how many bugs are we introducing when we release new features? Okay, and does that resonate the same with you, Isha, or is it the same? Properties. Yeah, absolutely. So, big emphasis on <clears throat> how we deliver and re- um, continuous improvement. So, looking back at sort of um, how often something goes wrong and, and how much we are able to kind of rectify that is, is really key with what you said there. Okay. So, a lot of it is like very outcome driven, as it seems, and like delivering business value and delivering it continuously and, and constantly. So, if these are kind of like the characteristics that we are looking for in a team, kind of like what behaviors can we observe or like can you observe, especially as like an agile coach that make up teams <clears throat> who who have these characteristics? That's a good question. Um, so you have different elements that you can see within or behaviors within a team, um, such as vulnerability, um, teams that hold themselves accountable to each other and themselves, um, trust, uh, Teams who have passionate debates um, and also who have a collective goal and this kind of encompasses this whole idea of having psychological safety within teams. Okay, so we start with the first point you made there then, vulnerability. Can you sort of explain a little bit about uh, why that's important for a high-performing team? It's allowing yourself to fail. It's allowing yourself as a team member to accept other ideas and not taking them personally. It's about not insisting that only your idea is right. It's about accepting that you're part of a bigger thing. And I think that all ties into teams having a common sense of goal. So everyone's working together and everyone's trying to solve the same problem. I think in a lot of less high-performing teams, you find people separate themselves a little bit. You get small silos within a team, sometimes even down to just individuals working on different things. Um, And not feeling they're allowed to be vulnerable. 
the stories where people all spend the evening teaching themselves things just so they can turn up the next day and be the god programmer for that day kind of thing so it's allowing yourself that sense of vulnerableness that sense of humbleness and knowing that together we can actually produce something better yeah so so is it basically being out being willing or uh, feeling able to say i don't know absolutely okay well, why do you consider that to be such a key factor in a team for me it generally comes down to the trust element um when you have trust within a team you are able to really perform a lot more because you open that space where you can where failure i think like you mentioned is actually invited rather than um stepped away from and when people are able to feel vulnerable and point out and talk about their weaknesses very openly within a team and have that environment to do so uh is where then you can actually have, be aware of what what the problems are and then actually do something about it without that awareness you can't do anything and have an action out of it yeah how, how are you going to solve a problem if you're not even willing to admit there is a problem and i think we've all probably worked in teams where we've seen that happen quite a lot for whatever reason the team can't deliver software the team can't quite work out what the feature is or they're releasing things and there's half a dozen bugs coming out at the end um, I think being able to admit that actually I don't know what I'm doing at the moment and actually asking for that help, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, can, can, you know, allows people to come in and say, well, actually, I know a little bit about that, or I probably know even, or sometimes even saying I know even less than you, but there's a whole internet out there and we can work out uh, between ourselves what it is mm. that you, we should be doing. You said a really powerful word as well there, which is trust, and I guess the vulnerability. Um, comes in in the sense that if someone says they can do something you can you trust that they're going to be able to do it and they're not going to just sit and suffer in silence yeah i think that there's that that's a big part of it um it's trusting each other to you're my teammate if you need help you can come and ask me um even with feedback actually is a big big part of that um when you are able to trust each other, you will go actively ask for feedback and then vice and vice versa and be able to receive feedback, which is actually uh, what people generally don't talk about, like how do you receive feedback um, in the right way? And yeah, it just that's the foundation with it. And then without that trust, you end up having building a culture of being afraid to openly speak to each other and afraid of conflict, um, where actually we should be building an environment where healthy conflict is welcomed. I feel like there's also a second component, <clears throat> which is not just like saying, oh yeah, I actually don't know how to do something on like a professional level. There's a whole like, I, I, I see like a whole personal side to it, which is just like, I, I have the feeling a lot of people need to put on like a mask when they go into work, right? And you're like, hey, are you doing? Yeah, I'm great, I'm fine, everything's <laughs> great, right? Whereas I feel there seems to be a second component, which is like, if one of my teammates asks you, hey, are you all right today? That you can actually say like, you know what? No, I'm not right today. Like, I'm actually not feeling great. So. I, th I think a healthy team, you can do that. I think you do that within your friendship circles outside of work. You know, close friends, they will say to you, how are you feeling today? And you will actually say, I'm feeling not great. And you're actually able to discuss that. I think having that kind of dynamic, probably not to the, you know, the, the closest you do have with outside friends. But I think having that ability to actually talk open and honestly about either problems you've got 
or things you're struggling with, I think that really helps the team to grow. And I think without that, it's difficult. And you start hiding things or not being honest about the progresses you've been making. So, I mean, part of our working process, we have a daily stand-up meeting and I've worked in a lot of companies that have done that. And quite a few times I've seen teams every morning sort of saying, yeah, I got so far through the particular task I'm working on, it should be finished today. And then you go off, you work through the day, you come in the next morning and they say, yeah, I'm nearly finished with that, I should be done today. Because you haven't got that accountability because there's no trust in the team, you find things just keep going on and on and on and nothing is ever delivered. Not because people are intentionally being secretive and saying, and not doing any work. It's just, there's not that openness or trust that enables you to actually say, no, we've got a problem with this. And I know you're not gonna tell me off for this. And I know that you're gonna help me fix this. You know, A, mm. makes a team a bit more high performing. Yeah. So, so that trust bit is actually two way. Um, so I mentioned it earlier as, as of the kind of bit where you, someone says they're gonna take on some work and you can trust them to do that. But you're saying it's also about trusting that you're not going to penalize me if I'm failing, if, yeah. I've, if I've got a problem. Yeah, and I think that's very key. And a lot of teams or some organizations may find that we they talk about trust, they talk about being open and, and feedback loops, but um, when people then become open, they're, they're told off for it, essentially. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's changing that mindset and changing that culture. But I think we're really lucky here at Moonpig to um, have that great foundation overall as an organization i think yeah i mean the feedback thing that you ju just mentioned there i think is quite key to the way moonpig as a whole works um so just looking at my day-to-day -to, -day to month to month experience of working in a, in a development team here you know on a day-to-day -day basis i'll be pairing with someone so i've got that constant feedback of someone building the code with me, that continual code review effectively. And then on a more granular level of that, we're, write, we're doing TDD, so we're writing a failing test, seeing that pass, that test and that code gives us that constant feedback. And then you look at it at a slightly wider scale. Um, every month we have check-ins with the senior management team, so they're continually not so much reviewing, but having a conversation with where we're going with our particular key objectives for that quarter. So Moonpig, I feel, is built on feedback loops. And I think it's very good for that. And I think that really helps team perform. So, but in order for feedback to work, right, and for, in order for feedback to be honest, we, we need this <clears throat> underlying trust and this underlying sense of I can be vulnerable. And we have talked a bit about why this is important. But what is also interesting like Isha, when you when you start with a team, yeah. uh, when you work with a team, <clears throat> what what do you do when you feel like oh there seems to be a trust issue, there seems to be like an issue that someone might not open up, or in another way, let's say someone listens to this and goes like, yeah this sounds good, I want to be able to work with this with my colleagues, but they don't have this culture right now. Uh, how can you start breaking this? Or how can you start opening this up? I'm quite lucky because as a coach, I kind of come in there and people expect that um or, or open are open enough for me to explore that behavior um 
So I generally just start with asking why, um, and whether it's on a group level or understanding that through retrospectives and getting the awareness built um, through those conversations in retrospectives, um, or even just talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. Like, mm. oh, I observed this, Is am I on the right path? Is, is there anything we need to talk about and go further into? Mm -hmm. um, and through that, naturally, you just see the underlying, not symptoms, but the root cause of a lot of mistrust come out. Mm. Um, and then I think what it comes back to is that awareness then helps you to move forward with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard because it's a case-to-case -case basis, basis, really and truly, because it's all contextual to each team. But I think it's just starting with the why. Yeah. Why am I feeling like this? Why is this happening? Um, and then moving forward from there. And what are the signs that there might be a problem with trust within the team? Stuff like you can see people avoiding conversations, um, not really engaging in healthy conflict. Um, or debates, you'll generally see teams sort of um, not asking for help. I think we mentioned that earlier. Um, I think a lot of ambiguity and a lack of buy-in as well, because you end up getting to a place where people end up not knowing what they should be working on or their purpose, um, and that's because they're not questioning each other well enough. and. Um, because there is this lack of trust somewhere. I, th I think I think you notice it. Some of the techniques that you know, the more traditional agile techniques that we use, the daily standard, the retrospectives, planning meetings. It's the times that you get the team together that I think you really start to pick up what the team dynamics are like. And I think as a coach, I can imagine you quite because you're coming in kind of as an outsider or at least an observer because you've not got skin in the game you can pick up what the what the different dynamics are and i think you can still do that as a more senior member of a team as well i think what i've learned over the years is that to almost take yourself out of it sometimes and actually like okay what's that particularly if you're just starting in a team as well i think I always get quite excited by new blood coming into a team because i'm always curious as to what they're going to pick up on what the team dynamics are or maybe they're going to hit on something and say hey guys if you tried this and that might really just invigorate things so it is as you said taking yourself out of it and kind of just watching and observing and you just pick up little visual cl clues sort of gut feelings well as human beings we're actually really good at picking up what each other are feeling you know, even people that say, oh, I don't understand people, I think when you get them into a healthy environment, they're a lot better than what they make out. And we're very good at picking up visual cues and recognising certain patterns. So I guess empathy is the key word there, right? Sensing Absolutely. how someone else is feeling. And like, uh, I think one of the points might be that you sense that someone else might not be happy with how a conversation in this group is currently going and they might not have kind of like, let's say stupidly, the guts to speak mm. out or they might not feel it is right for them to speak up. So I guess this is something where you're talking about what you can then hook into. Yeah, and I, I can imagine as a coach, it's a lot easier to actually, I don't really want to say take that person aside, but have a quiet chat with them just to find out exactly how they're feeling because sometimes people are fine. They're just quiet or they're just having an off week or something, you know. I think using 
powerful questions in meetings and uh, or just when you're talking to people is it's powerful <laughs> really because instead of putting yourself and your own observations and and telling someone what you think and what you see you're pulling back and you're helping that person explore um actually what they're feeling and more most of the time or pretty much all the time just by asking someone open-ended questions it just comes out naturally and it comes out very quickly um yeah what's the there's the focus listening what's the active listening active listening thank yeah. you yeah that technique of i find it when i'm coaching uh junior developers that way of kind of just pulling back a little bit and allowing them to explore the problem rather than actually giving them all the answers all the time i think that's really powerful and it, and it works when you're working with teams as well to try and you know work out if there are any problems dynamically between people so it, it all all feeds into into everything and is that what you meant with with power power question powerful question like yeah. open-ended ones yeah so it's, it's literally in i think the whole crux of being a coach is you hold everyone to unconditional positive regard i think this is the word is the phrase but essentially <laughs> what you believe is that everyone has the answers within themselves mm. and everyone has the expertise and the skills within themselves so Absolutely. you're not there and and if i think people all believe that within a team uh, that they're working in, they all know that they're in a team that has the skills, has the knowledge, and has um, has the autonomy to actually come up with the solutions that we're trying to to, to solve with the customer problems. So um, you're able to work together in that sense because it's all about capturing that and using each other to draw on that solution rather than individual that makes sense <laughs> we're greater than some of our parts or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah um and it, and it changes from team to team as well and i think you know in different teams i will behave in different ways um i will do things slightly differently because you you know the strength of the individuals will change from team to team so you, it's difficult to actually say a high performing team will be doing this this and this because that will change on depending on the personalities involved you know some teams need a lot of very rigorous process to be able to get stuff out quickly and without bugs and whatnot whereas other teams you'll need just a light touch and they'll still be flying just as well as the team with all the rigorous process but but that seems like the point there is to empower teams to be open and honest with each other in order for them to decide how they work best with each other right because you said mm -hmm. teams work differently and people work differently with each other and just changing one person or someone like new coming in can shift team dynamics and not like for the better or for the worse but it's just like it changes yeah and i always find comparing teams is is a, you can like you can never go into a place of comparing teams because i think the definition and the, what a high performing team is for each individual team is different and it one thing i do is generally do like these kickoff sessions team kickoff sessions or team genesis sessions where you the team defines what their vision is together what their values are and then the behaviors that they that they live by in order to um, adhere to those values and by doing that you get the team that are all aligned on this one goal 
these values that they think are going to make them high performing and they really define it for themselves and I think that drives the sense of trust and purpose and and become makes them high performing naturally and I've seen teams transform just by doing certain um, off-sites with them mm-hmm. and workshops with them where they really build this different kind of bond and trust because they have this alignment um, but again it's all it will all be it will, di- it will differ from team to team and I think this is one of the reasons I mean baked into the scrum process is that idea of in- inspect and adapt that's why we have retrospectives when a team is working well they'll actually be looking at their process and deciding what works for them or what doesn't work for them and adapting accordingly which is why and I've said this for many years now is that anybody that is still doing scrums the book decided it really aren't doing scrum properly because the process should morph to suit the team's particular needs and the makeup of the teams at the time having that honesty to be able to do that I think comes back to what we've been just saying for the last 10 mm. minutes or so so we've um, <clears throat> I think we've identified that trust and vulnerability go together very well and are a sort of a key pillar towards a high performing team you mentioned healthy debate yeah now I personally think that's a that's a sort of paramount importance within the team. <laughs> um, how, how do you define healthy debate and ensure it doesn't turn into unhealthy debate? That's a good question. <laughs> I think it, it's interesting because I think modern culture shies away from conflict these days. And I think that leads to a lot of pent-up anger almost. <laughs> that, that people spend so long being nice and avoiding any kind of confrontation that nothing ever gets sorted out. I'm going to go back and just say it's about creating this safe environment again that you feel you can disagree. But I'm going to look over to the Agile coach and say, you must have some techniques for this. (laughs) No, it is very true. It's the environment um, that sets the tone. Um, And it's really the awareness of how you Im- how each individual impacts someone else. So if you're in a room and you can see people are talking over each other, people are um, not actually listening to each other, it's th- those are the top signs of not having a good environment within the team, not having that trust within the team. And literally it always comes back to, are you guys, do you guys have a shared values and behaviors? And mm-hmm. setting that tone is, what always draws teams back to it because you can literally call out and be like guys this is not the values and behaviors that we have all agreed that we want to work together as a team by um and since that simply by doing that you can move conversations forward and actually teams end up holding themselves accountable just by having that shared alignment on 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 those values um but i think just not being afraid to call out on it as well within and, and challenging people like if people are talking over each other, it's just kind of like, guys, what are we trying to achieve here? And bringing it always back to that. I think that's the, the one good question you can always fall back on. <laughs> what are we trying to achieve? Um, and that really kind of settles everyone and takes everyone back um, to the core of what that meeting is about or what the debate is about. And that, that's quite common as well. I mean, the amount of meetings I've been into at various places where Nobody quite knows what the purpose of the meeting is. Yeah. Uh, even nowadays, there's occasions that I'll come out of the meeting and someone will say to me, what did we actually decide in that? And it was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, point taken. We, we need to make sure we don't do that again. Um, 
And I th one thing I think we suffer from a little bit is I don't think that many people know how to debate. <laughs> um, and I've watched Question Time, I know not many people know how to <laughs> debate. And I think having a good facilitator or a good chair in a meeting is really effective. And, I, and I'm wondering around the table now how many meetings we've been in and do we actually know who's running the meeting, who's chairing the meeting? We're bad, and this is a general thing, at actually having some kind of formality to meetings. And I, I think if you've got someone that can actually be there and say, uh, as Aisha put it, you know, what are we trying to achieve here and actually taking everyone back out of it, I think that will lead to much healthier but still vigorous discussions mm -hmm. rather than, oh, we're not quite sure what we're doing, we're not quite sure where we're going, so I'm just not going to mention anything. Yeah. So, so you think mediation is, is what you're talking about there really is a, a sort of a key factor. But I think it's um, not much of a secret that a lot of software developers are quite opinionated. And uh, it's, it's... No, they're I not. <laughs> I think it can get... Um, I mean, in, in the best teams I've been, uh, opinions are expressed but respected by everyone and the merits will be discussed and you'll come to a conclusion. But I have also been in teams where two opinions are conflicting. Um, they're both probably as good as each other's. They're just different. And neither side's going to back down. What techniques can we use to try and resolve that sort of conflict in a debate? There's a really good technique. It's a really simple one as well. It's decision protocol. Um, so all teams agree, and it's, sim it's really simple. It's just a thumbs up, thumbs to the side, or thumbs down. And that's where you can just kind of call out, okay, guys, we've been discussing this for a long time now. We've got to come to a conclusion. We're all not going to agree. But if you have the mindset of we are experimenting, trying something out and learning from it. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong, that's okay, because we're going to learn. Um, just having that mindset allows them, the team to call on decisions. So if you agree, that means, yep, cool, I'm on board with, the, with one or the other decision. Sideways is, um, I'm not totally on board, but do you know what, I'm just going to go along with it because I believe that we can learn something from this anyway. And then thumbs down is not a, no, it's a and, and maybe build on it and add something to it. But you can never just call out a no and just uh, sort of say, no, I'm not agreeing with that, sorry. So at the end, you, you have some sort of conclusion. You're never have gonna, gonna have complete consensus within a room, and that's okay, but we all gotta believe in the team, we're gonna get somewhere, and we're gonna do something and experiment um, and try something new, and you're not always going to get your own way, but that's the trust that yeah, you've got trust in each other. Exactly, and I think that's where feedback comes in as well, because okay, you've not won this argument. I'm trying to think of a better way of putting it that, but you know what I mean. But we're going to try this. We all agree that we're going to try this, but we will get feedback on it, and I think that's really important that the team buys into the fact that everything really is just an experiment. You know, the next feature we get out it might work, it might not. We're really big on experimentation at Moonpig, as previous episodes of this podcast have, have described. Um, and I think knowing that in two weeks' time, we'll try something different. Maybe it won't work, but that's fine. If it doesn't work, we can stop and try something else. And it's about having rapid feedback. If you're spending six months doing something like the bad old days, then... You, you have to hang on to your opinions a lot more because you're not going to get 
chance to try anything else for six months. So I think that's part of what um, the Agile movement has really given us, that ability just to rapidly feedback on things and pivot if necessary. So we're back to trust again. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, this is great. And, and what you're saying there really is, is trust that we, we can try one of these decisions and we will assess it and we will look at the feedback and we will work out if we need to try something else, right? And, and th this reminded me just of something you actually sent out, Isha. You sent the video to us about uh, Patrick Lencioni's the, the five dysfunctions, yeah. um, the five dysfunction of a team, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which is like a thirty-five minute talk or so, um, where he talks about in a in a bigger group you normally don't get everyone to agree to something, right? But what is important that everyone has been heard and everyone was able to express their opinion, and something. Um, I've heard like from other teams are doing is you, you can do this on, on various levels. You can say for like technical decisions, we go with a majority and then everyone buys in. And for example, for team decisions, which means like when we want to hire someone, everyone needs to agree. Right. So I, I think you can do this on various levels and make that work for the team again. And I think you said a really important point there with the buy-in and everyone feeling heard. Um, that is definitely another technique that you would that teams should be able to do and, and as a coach I'll make sure that everyone has had a moment to be able to say their opinions um, shutting someone down um, just because they've said something that's different to you or even if they're saying the same thing and adding to it um, it it makes things or it stops teams from being accountable essentially because they haven't had their voice heard they don't have the buy-in so then they don't feel like they're attached to whatever the, the decision they're making and that's what the decision protocol is also about because it's like okay i got my chance to be heard um but now we we have to come to to the next step essentially i mean it's the worst thing in the world to be part of a team and feeling like you're not being heard mm. and even if that is just as um subtle as putting a thumbs up at the end of a decision making process then at least you feel you've had that input and some people don't like talking up in meetings, you know, and it's, it's, I think as a facilitator, you find yourself trying to bring those people in that aren't naturally the person that's going to slam their hand on the table and say, oi, listen to me. And, and that's part of the art, I think, of facilitation is actually getting everyone to get their opportunity to actually put their opinion across. Yeah. And there's always different ways to do it. Um, that's why there's like a million different retrospective um, ideas and techniques is, is to really um, target that. So if there are teams that have a particular dynamic, you would use certain frameworks Absolutely, with yeah. them and you'll really tailor it based on that um, to get the most out of it and to draw the most out of it. So where you notice that teams aren't really confident in talking out or there's one or two people who aren't, generally sit in the background and la let everyone else um, talk. You can do individual activities where people go by themselves, reflect, write their thoughts down, mm. and then kind of post things up on the wall anonymously and then talk, um, talk through them without having individuals specifically go through their points. Or if they want to, they can, but they have a little bit more confident because everyone's um, thoughts are up there and then you can see different groups and themes already emerging, which helps people kind of to feel more confident about what they want to say. So this means that these particular kind of techniques allows the quieter members of the team, 
those that are more reticent to speak up within meetings to actually present their ideas. And nine times out of ten, they discover that these views are actually shared with other members of the team. So that gives us the confidence to actually, you know, talk up a bit more, actually have an input into the team's process, the, you know, the features that we're going to be building. And that way, everybody has buy-in at that point. Yeah, and that's where you get the commitment Absolutely. that drives teams forwards. So, so why is commitment so important? I think it really comes back to what we said earlier, just about if you commit to something, then you actually deliver results. Um, without everyone in the team being um, committing to that, what, what they want to deliver, what they've decided on delivering, um, you, you stagnate. And I think people... So a conversation I had recently with uh, an engineer who doesn't work at Moonpig, this was, this was outside at a meetup, and we were talking about that um, those occasions where you have the senior management team built come up with features, throw them over the wall, like in the old waterfall style, and say, right, you lot go and build this for me. And he actually said to me, he said, if that happens, I feel like I'm not going to do my best work. He almost went as far as said he would actually disrupt what he was building. And it's because he didn't have that buy-in, he didn't have that commitment. And I think if you have that passion to deliver this feature you feel it's yours you're part of this company and you're going to make this company work you're going to do much better work you're going to care about making sure that you've covered all the use cases off that you're not introducing silly little bugs you know you're going to write much more rigorous code and you're going to test it and make sure it works because you know this is yours yeah is, is that something that comes with autonomy is that what, what you're really talking about there Absolutely, yeah, and ownership, isn't it? It's accountability, and it's accountability. Yeah, it's like without without the commitment, you don't get you don't get accountability, and they they tie in, so you can't. Yeah. Okay, and what do we mean by commitment? Is that saying I will have this done by next Monday, and if I haven't got it done by next Monday, I will work all weekend to make sure it is done by next Monday, or are we saying I'm going to deliver this feature next? What does it mean? I'd say the latter, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a commitment. It's definitely not a commitment to delivering on deadlines. <laughs> um, it's a commitment to teams. It's a team commitment. Like we we decide that we are going to work on this and we want to deliver X. Um, we think we can do it in this amount of time. So that's what we're going to do, and we're all going to be committed together and work together to achieve this goal of ours. Um, and that's what we mean by a, a commitment and accountability to actually delivering that. And accountability and commitment isn't to, by this date, we're going to deliver something. We're going to be accountable for how we're progressing on this. That we're not going to, as notoriously used to happen in the bad old days where an engineering team would disappear for months on end and then they'd knock on the door and say, have you done this yet? Yeah, can we have another couple of months, please? Oh, Okay. And then suddenly the business is throwing huge washes of cash at this white elephant almost that never actually materialised, I think, accountability. And this is what is at the heart, I think, of the Agile movement, is that accountability. This is how we're progressing. This is why we have stand-ups. This is why we have burned-down charts. You know, This is why we have stories that we're ticking off the board as we go. It's because it's to give 
the business, that visibility that, yeah, we are actually making progress. Mm. So why are we releasing small incremental chunks so you can actually, there's some movement. And I think the worst thing in the world is for an engineering team, first of all, not to tell the wider business what they're doing because that leads to a breakdown in trust between the engineering department and the wider business. And I've seen that so many times within my career and it's, it's heartbreaking because the engineering team feels understressed because suddenly the people that are really paying their wages suddenly don't trust them. Mm. And then they'll start phoning up, I don't know, engineering teams in Bangalore or something and say, could you get your guys to do this? Because I've heard you guys are much better than these bunch of idiots I've got mm. sitting it's, around the corner. It's quite interesting, this, because I think it comes back to vulnerability again, to some extent, or at least trust. Because if you if you look at those two words, commitment and accountability, they are scary words. Oh God, yeah. Mm. Right, and I think for people to be happy to commit to something and be accountable for something, I think they have to have that sense of trust that they're not going to be persecuted. Let's mm. say if they fail. Mm. Yeah. And that seems to go like from the from the individuals on a team to like teams within companies and like reporting back to like the higher levels of like management, mm. right? Where you're like, okay, we set out to do this over the next six weeks. And unfortunately we didn't manage to produce what we set out or we're like, we, we failed for various reasons, but then like being able to say this and then present your learnings from it and then basically use your management team as kind of like a mechanism to be like, okay, we tried this, we pushed for that, we couldn't do this. What do you think? What should we do with the learnings? How should we proceed, right? And that again goes and like, okay, now whole teams and whole departments are honest with each other. And I think you need those little checkpoints in there to get you into the habit of doing that. So come back, it's all about feedback visits. And I think if you, if the environment of the business is that people don't really give honest feedback or you only give feedback once every quarter or six months or something, people aren't in the habit. And suddenly that meeting with, the board or whatever suddenly becomes really scary because you know you've lost track of what's going on for the past six months and it's mm. this mental frenzy to actually get everything together it, it's mm. cramming for a, an exam the day before and i think what's really healthy about uh moonpig in particular is these monthly check-ins that we do with the with the senior management team and i think that you've got quite a nice little cadence of month to month to month mm. You know, and there's some honest, um, quite open conversations they're having those. And then once all those done, um, you know, people summarise the learnings from it and things. And I think that's a, that's a really healthy, healthy thing for a company to have. Yeah, and we have then the follow-up of the showcases when uh, it's the visibility element. I think you mentioned earlier, making things visible um, about what teams are doing, what are they working on, what's working for them, what's not working for them is super key because that knowledge sharing amongst not even the teams itself, but then multiple teams and then the organization as a whole and as a system as a whole um, is, can elevate the, organ like the business mm. and take it to the next level. Um, I think one thing we didn't mention earlier is that talking about where creativity and innovation live and that's when, and they basically live outside of comfort zones. And when we talk about trust and we talk about mm. being vulnerable you can, and having healthy debate, you can only get to this creativity and, innovate, and innovative space if you are able to do those things. And I think that's super, super key. Mm. 
Um, but it always come back, back, all comes back down to this psychological safety element, um, which all teams that need to build, help build, like be able to build that environment. And it's all, it's about getting to know your teammates really and shared experiences. Yeah, that, that is really great stuff. So I, I think we can summarize this by saying the most, or like the key factors are, you're, you need to be able to trust the people you work with and you can only do this if you're allowed to be vulnerable, if you're allowed to say, okay, I failed something or I don't know something. And if you then can take this into feedback loops, which then allows you to continue to improve. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay, so I've got the uh, dubious honor of uh, ending the podcast with a question for you each. Um, I'm going to start with you, Isha. Great. Uh, personal chef or a personal trainer? Personal trainer. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. I, I think that was, that was wow. personal <laughs> chef would be amazing. I yeah. Think <laughs> I like food more than exercise. What can I say? And Leon. Rich. Pigs or pigeons? Pigs. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> because I'll probably get told off for saying pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair enough answer. All right. Um, so we leave it there then. Yeah. Um, thank you, Isha. Thank you, Leon. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. Really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, and thank you, listeners. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Moon pig. Hey, Jacob. I thought that was another great episode. Yeah, wasn't it? It was really good. Yeah, I do have some feedback. How can I get that to you? Oh, great. So you can either send an email to techpodcast at moonpig.com or tweet at moonpigtech. Sure, that's great. I will definitely do that. Thanks, man. Amazing.